Blog Talk Radio. You're listening to The Catch with John Fisher on Blog Talk Radio, connecting life to faith. We're just trying to get it together, trying to help the fellow November 13, 2018, and we are one week away exactly from probably one of the most amazing midterm elections elections that at least I can remember, and uh, our guest is perfectly suited to help us talk about what happened. And uh, I guess we don't even, there are places I know in California that all the votes, votes aren't even counted yet. Um, it, it was a quite, a quite a day. And uh, we are so happy to uh, have as our guest today, back again, uh, Rob Stutzman, founder and president of Stutzman Public Affairs a Sacramento-based firm specializing in campaigns, communications, and crisis management. Rob has logged a career working with political campaigns for elected officials with uh, names like, oh, Schwarzenegger, Wilson, Whitman, and, uh, and the like. He is a frequent speaker on California politics and public policy and regularly appears on television shows as a political commentary, his opinion articles have been published in most major California newspapers. So we are really uh, prestigiously uh, lucky to have this guy with us for about 30 minutes to talk about um, politics and Christianity and all of that stuff in California. So Rob, Welcome back to Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, John. It's good to be back on again with you. Yeah. Um, gosh, what a what a midterm election. Uh, can, can you ever remember anything quite like this before? <laughs> well, everything's unique in the age of Trump. Uh, the the re- yeah. The results are actually fairly typical of a midterm. I mean, party. Party in power in the White House typically suffers losses. President Obama certainly suffered uh, much more severe losses in his first uh, his first midterm mm. back in in 2010. But nothing, uh, no. I mean, there's nothing else like this in terms of um, the the style of politicking that uh, we see out of the out of the president. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rob, what what stands out? For you in in this particular uh, in this particular election, well, there's a few things. We're a country that can we we understand we're a divided country, but what's really remarkable is how we are increasingly divided uh, along this line of college educated and non college educated, Um, white collar suburban America versus bluer collar uh, America. 
And uh, th- those are really wow. the big demarcation lines. And what we've seen where in the uh, in the results of the elections where Democrats made their gains to take a majority, substantial majority, really, in, in the House of Representatives, uh, is in the suburbs. Uh, we have a lot of college-educated voters, um, a lot of uh, uh, white college-educated women who uh, voted with Trump last time and and did not vote for Republicans at the same mm-hmm. enthusiasm this time. And then we see mm-hmm. where Republicans uh, defeated Democrats in U.S. Senate races, and of course it's it's uh, it's it's Midwest, Midwest, what we'd call uh, redder states, North Dakota, uh, mm-hmm. Missouri, Indiana, uh, possibly Florida. I guess we're we're still recounting down there uh, as we speak, but. It's you know it, it defines this uh, socioeconomic and education-driven um, definition of of really how we are falling into two separate camps uh, when it comes to our politics. Wow, college-educated versus white-collar versus more the uh, uh, blue-collar. Uh, I guess you say middle America. Does it work that way too? Like the, the well, a little. I mean, you can call it a little. little yeah, there's probably plenty of middle, you know, <laughs> college-educated mm-hmm. folks that feel like they're middle America as well. The, I, right. it, you know, the 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 problem what we fall into here is it's like, uh, well, the people without education, you know, are the ones that 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 follow Trump, and we have to be careful of that caricature. Um, but there's something instructive too about how blue collar has felt disenfranchised economically and probably culturally over the last 20 years as well. And so you're seeing that this manifest in what the media will call this rise of nationalism uh, that is that is a bit race, obviously race-driven in, in some aspects of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also something that's on the rise throughout the Western world. And uh, I think there's economic reasons for it. I think there's migration reasons for it. Um, some of our cultural reasons uh, but it certainly is manifest right now in our politics, and it 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 creates a lot of uh, sharp opinions, one way or the other, yeah. and it kind of leads to us leads to us being this quote unquote divided nation. You know, I got the impression um, leading up to this election that um, uh, Trump was just uh, uh, almost purposely trying to uh, be almost um, overly obnoxious or, or what, whatever it is that, that he feels, uh, you know, uh, angry and, and all of that, whatever he feels is connected with that group that we're talking about Um, that he, uh, I almost got the picture Oh gosh, he's he's doing this on purpose, and and he's going to go as far as he can. Um, now that we found out that um, there are limits to this, do you think we're going to see a different Trump maybe in the next couple of years? Well, we've been waiting for a different Trump for some time. Um, I, so I, I think I think the answer is no. Uh, this is who he is. Um, I think he knows what he's doing, um, but you know he's not so much a businessman as much as he's a reality TV um, actor. Um, 
I mean, that is that is who mm-hmm. we are getting um, is that aspect of, of him. So a lot of what he does is over the top on purpose to be uh, manipulative. But he, I, you know, I think he's, uh, you know, I, I think there's this deep psychosis of the adoration of when he's in front of those rally crowds and the things that he says to them in order to incite mm-hmm. that adoration um, that he thrives right. upon, probably not in a very healthy way, uh, which gets to a lot of the over t- the top things he says that I think you mm-hmm. were you were referring to. Um which, you know, mm-hmm. I mean to take account has been has included, you know, mocking the physical disabilities of a reporter, uh suggesting that a protester mm-hmm. be beat up, uh calling the press the enemy of the people, which if you have any context of history and what that means in in countries mm-hmm. where uh there we don't have a First Amendment, that's quite a severe, awful thing to say. Uh and it goes on and on and on. Yeah. Uh, some of this then manifests itself in policy, like child separation. I mean, when you look at the number of women who turned away from the Republican Party in 2018 as opposed to 2016, I think of policies like that that I, I think probably had a big impact of, of driving driving mm-hmm. that. So he he continues to cater to uh, the people that attend the rallies, to kind of put it in, in simple terms. But, well, you know, ex, ex, or put it this way, exit polls found that uh, about – 75, 80% of Americans have very strong opinions about the president. About 31, 32% of the country is uh, feel strongly for him, and about 48% strongly against him. So the net net of the emotion generated by Trump is uh, politically ineffective and detrimental to uh, to him and his party. Wow. Well, now you're a Republican, and uh... But I, you know, do, do you feel do you feel like um, conflicted in in some way, or or uh, or maybe what I should really ask is, do you think this 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 Democratic run House now is actually maybe a good thing for the country? Well, there's I would say there's good things about it. Um, as a Republican, I think there are some bad things about it. Uh-huh. Uh, where I mean, we're, we're going to yeah. hit a policy um, standstill. Um, not that a whole lot was getting done, even with Republican majorities, but now there's absolutely going to be nothing done. But uh, I, I do believe wow. the abuses by this administration of constitutional duty and norms uh, deserve better oversight than what was being provided by the Republican House. So uh, some investigations may be over the top and go too far, but I think in general – we're about to enter a very healthy year of examination and the power of subpoena from from uh, committee chairs uh, that are Democrats that weren't being issued by Republicans mm-hmm. um, and taking a much closer look at uh, the behavior of this uh, of this administration. For instance, was the president badgering the Postal Service in order to raise rates because on Amazon because he's upset by the coverage in the Washington Post, which Jeff Bezos, the owner of Amazon, also mm-hmm. owns. I should say, president and CEO of Amazon, also owns the Washington Post. You know, did he did he uh, instruct the Justice Department um, to object to the Time Warner merger because of coverage from CNN? You know, all these things. There is plenty of evidence to suggest that that could be the case. And if he was acting uh, in such a way, that's a misuse of power, and um, that's not what American presidents do uh, or should do. Mm. So. I think yeah, some in, some investigation will be fine. And from a, as a partisan Republican partisan, um, I'm not so sure the Democrats 
uh, are going to do well with the <laughs> well with the majority. So mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's okay to put them on display for a while and remind Americans why they elected a Republican Congress six weeks or six years ago. <laughs> wow. Well, it's going to be so. It, it sounds like we're in for a bit of a wild ride. Oh, I would think the next uh, the next two years of American politics may even be more um, extraordinary than what we've seen in the past uh, now three years. Uh, the, I mean, think of it this way: we are um, 14 months from votes being cast in the nominating process. Um, I think you're going to have uh, over a dozen mm. Democrats running for president. I think there'll be probably be Republican challengers to Trump. Um, you're going to have the you know, the, the Mueller investigation continue to unfold. You're going to have hearings in Congress. It's mm-hmm. going to the tenor of all of this is going to be as crazy as ever. Um, which if you yeah. uh, <laughs> if you own CNN and and uh, MSNBC stock, I guess is a good thing because the ratings are going to be. Be a be a bonanza, but it, I, you know the question was: will, will Americans just really begin or continue to tire of this uh, of this constant uh, tenor and controversy and breathlessness uh, of our politics? Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, well, let's talk uh, let's talk now, some Rob about evangelicals because um, you know I. I have seen just about everything. Um, uh, I think I, I've seen the evangelicals embracing Trump as as God's man for the for the White House, all the way out to I ran into a uh, a website just recently that is uh, proclaiming Trump the Antichrist, and uh, these are Christians, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. So that's that's a pretty wide range there, I would say. You know, um what what about Christians and and politics? Are are, are we have we gone maybe a li- just too far into this? And uh I don't know, give us some observations. Uh, some of your observations about about uh, Christians in the whole political scene. Well, I, I think we we certainly entered an era over the last several decades where uh, conservative Christians, if we want to label that evangelical, and some may, but conservative Christians became uh, very vested in in, in politics. Um, or, you know, many are familiar with the rise of the moral majority in the late '70s and mm-hmm. the early '80s. It was a big part of the coalition that swept Reagan in the office. Um, the politics of this were. Uh, largely driven by abortion, but other issues as well. Um, in fact, Reagan had a commission on, uh, you know, on pornography that James Dobson famously served on in the, uh, in the 1980s. And it, it was, you know, real kind of cultural, conservative cultural um, war as defined by some, I think, in order to, to raise money for their organizations. And out of this, we have, uh, you know, I, I think as a Christian involved in politics, we we really have had this long era now where Christians become far too vested in politics um, in terms of looking mm-hmm. to politics and our institutions of government uh, for solutions to the problems that they believe exist, or even to usher you know usher in the the kingdom of, of God. 
So, you know, the, the politics of the Supreme Court largely define this. I think that was the bargain a lot of people made in voting for Trump, and frankly, he's uh, appears to mm-hmm. have delivered. We'll, we'll, we'll know more mm-hmm. as Gorsuch and Kavanaugh, you know, actually rule on things mm-hmm. in, the, in the years to come. Uh, but that is what drove, I think, a lot of uh, alleged, I call them leaders in the evangelical community, um, like Falwell Jr. and Franklin Graham, and mm-hmm. uh, sadly to me, Jim Dobson, someone who I really just grew up admiring, uh, to really uh, uh, su- support Trump f- full-throated, that he's God's man, and uh, in, in view mm-hmm. him with that uh, authority and, and power. And I just, it's just a, uh, <laughs> it's like, this is so uh, so reminiscent of, well, don't we, re- don't we recall the Jews who were disappointed that, you know, Christ himself was not a political figure to solve their political problems uh, at the time? Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, why are we looking for political uh, saviors and solutions and think that yeah. uh, that's the primary way that, that God is going to uh, to move amongst us? So, you know, once we're, once Christians are overly invested or, or overly subscribed to how important politics are, uh, well, then you've got to choose one side or the other. And you lose the ability right. to maybe stand back and say, well, maybe I don't, I don't see a solution here in uh, on either side of the aisle, since we only have two sides in American politics. A lot of countries, of course, have several sides. But ours are two. So we get stuck into this Christians thinking, that, well, we have a binary decision here. And um, mm-hmm. obviously uh, the big part of Trump's support and base is clearly made up of conservative uh, conservative Christians. And, uh, you know, maybe there's been some erosion of that, Um uh, I think there's, uh, I think at some point there is discomfort that's starting to manifest itself. Uh, it's pretty hard to square a lot of the teachings of of Christ with the uh, the words, the behavior, and I would say even some of the policies uh, that have been so mean spirited mm-hmm. from the administration. Um, so we'll see how. That's why it'd be interesting. I think if there is a primary challenge to Trump and see how some of that uh, starts to starts to play out or continues yeah. to play out. I uh, you mentioned abortion earlier, and, and I just—I've always wondered why. Why do you think that has become so important to Christians? It's almost like that is the only issue, you know. I mean, so for that reason, you know, we we be willing to get in bed with anybody if we can, if we can get you know conservatives in the court who are going to vote against Roe v. Wade. It's like that's the only thing that really matters, and uh, uh, of course it's not. But why why are we so focused on that one thing? Do you think? Do you have any, any ideas about that? Well, it's just, yeah. There's been a singular obsession, I would say, with it. Um, uh, I think at one time there was more of an obsession with with same sex marriage, but that that culturally has kind of come and gone rather quickly as cultural trends do. But mm-hmm. Abortion, abortion remains, and um, yeah, some of it, I think, is the time in this country's history uh, when Roe happened, which was, of course, in the 70s, uh, and the and the, the tumultuous cultural uh, change in terms of the of norms that was going on, the liberalization, secularization of 
American culture, some of which you can say, well, the backlash to that is the, the, the aforementioned moral majority movement, the late 70s, early 80s. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, Roe become, and abortion become this very present, very visceral, very real issue, very righteous issue. Um, we talk to people on either side of this issue, and they feel incredibly deeply righteous about it because of the issues involved. So, if you believe you're, mm-hmm. you know, if you're saving a life, um, and the you know, and government has the means to protect uh, yeah. a life, it becomes a real driver. But it has, you know, I think it's, it's, I think more to your point, John, it's become more of this singular focus has just so defined everything, and to the point where mm-hmm. <laughs> you may be willing to accept. Uh, a Faustian bargain um, from yeah. this president to take it to take this president uh-huh. in order to, to, in the minds of men uh, and women, to secure the court. Well, maybe we've the court's been secured. I mean, maybe not. And of course, you know, mm-hmm. outlawing abortion in this country, I still think it's very unlikely that we'll have the court would ever do that. And and even if they did, it it still doesn't end abortion. Uh, it ends. It ends legal abortion. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I, I think it's been the singularity of the focus and obsession on this um, is arguably uh, mis, misplaced. Yeah, also, uh, unfortunately, there's two other aspects. One, it, it's one thing that the evangelicals and, and, and Catholics will unite on politically, but the other has been obviously there's these are organizations that have raised a lot of money. Um, mm-hmm. Over the over the years, and so there's there's unfortunately that aspect of it. People become vested in the issue being yeah. being top of mind because there's there's money to be raised. Yeah, you know, there are um, I'm sure you know of Democrats who are Christians, and uh, I do too. Sure. And uh, <laughs> and and the Democrats are the ones who, you know, they do seem to have a certain agenda that's really important to them, and. Um, and the Republicans have something that's important to them. Uh, do you think there's any hope for? I've always wondered. I, I've always felt that Christians could make a great witness in the world by by uh, being congenial about this. And if if they're not <laughs> going to be congenial in Washington, well, let's 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 get the church together. Let's get a whole bunch of Christians together and let's talk about. Uh, the whole ramifications of politics and wh- what are some of the things that, that Democrats could stand for and what are the things that Republicans and, and where, where do we decide to vote and realizing that we, we could go either way. That, in other words, we can, we can allow that to happen. Um, do you think there's any hope for that kind of dialogue? And do you maybe even know of any forums where that happens? Have you heard of anything well, like I've that? Well, I've seen that type of dialogue. I, I mean, I've seen faith be a common denominator between um, mm-hmm. pe- people elected in office between the two, the two parties. And so, I, you know, even though it's not visible on, you know, cable TV because they want to put people on that shout at each other every night, um, <laughs> faith, yeah. faith, binds, faith binds a lot of our elected officials together much more than – um, is seen or, or understood because it's not uh, the story that gets told. So first of all, I would say that that I you know I think it's already an important part of actually making this system work um, as well as it does, even though we're in a, a system of higher dysfunction than 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 normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've come back to the, you know Christians really making progress in the public square. I think it's. It, it, <laughs> 
I go back to something I've heard Oz Guinness uh, talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you and I have talked about it before is, you know, the, yeah. the disease of, of American Christians is that we, we engage in the public square in order to defend our own rights. And yeah. <laughs> instead of defending the rights of others, and we take this completely unchristlike approach, um, thinking that we have to go protect, supposedly protect ourselves and defend ourselves. And, um, you know, I mean, so the president said himself last week that he's done more, for, he's done more for Christians than anybody. He actually said that. Um, I, I thought Jesus would, might find that amusing. But yeah. <laughs> no one was able to practice bad theology in one sentence, quite like you know Donald Trump. Uh, but, but but there's you know, there's too many Christians that actually believe that, and it's like it's not about our rights and protecting ourselves. I mean, Christ told us um, that people aren't going to like you because of me. He basically told us you're going to be persecuted. Um, mm-hmm. and yet we, what we want to do is, you know, really camp and out and make sure we always are talking about how Paul asserted his rights as a citizen of the Roman empire, um, and missing the larger picture of the, the, the limited context of that, which is still correct and still instructive to us, but missing the bigger picture of how Christ tells us, tells us to interact with the world, <laughs> which isn't to go around asserting your rights. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to be giving away. It's to be caring for those that um, cannot assert their own rights. And look, America's got great mm-hmm. moments where people of faith, right, manifested this, the civil rights moment. Well, the civil rights movement's a great, great example. Mm-hmm. Um, something that um, it should be it should be celebrated more, probably within the halls of faith. Uh, as a great, a great mm-hmm. manifestation of what it means to be a Christian in the public square. But uh, that doesn't seem to be where we're at at the, at the moment, uh, at least not with uh, a lot of the conservative um, leaning people of faith yeah. in this country. Yeah. Well, and you can't, by the way, it's got nothing to do, you can be conservative and still manifest this, right? Um, and be compassionate and quit yes. thinking of, your, of yourselves and how your cultural identity group is being um, discriminated against or marginalized or offended. Mm-hmm. Quit getting offended. Um, you know, where, where, are we, where are we instructed in the Bible to walk around being offended all day? Um, what we're supposed to do is offend the world with the gospel. And uh, mm-hmm. if we could do that, the things you're talking about, John, and, and the public, you know, how mm-hmm. Christians then engage in the public square and can be a great witness and can start to change political dialogue yeah. would, would begin to happen on the natural. Yeah, wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be great? Well, that's what we're trying to do uh, here for sure. And uh, um, so, uh, you know, in that way, it, it, it's exciting what we're facing. Um, the opportunities certainly are great. Well, there's a lot of opportunity uh, for the go- for, your, for the gospel of welcome <laughs> that you constantly challenge yes. us to. <laughs> yes, yes, and grace grace turned outward. That's for sure. Um, exactly. You know. Uh, one last question, because we talk a lot about millennials here. We do have a following among some millennials, I think, because of the, some of the things we stand for and, um, and, and maybe don't stand for. And uh, you have some familiar, I, familiarity with this, with this generation. I know you've had some work for you as interns. What do you see coming yep. up? Uh, do, what, what kind of 
where are they at politically generally? Are they are they into this whole thing? Are they all divided the way the West of us are, or are they? Are there is there some hope here? <laughs> well, I'd say by by greater numbers, Christian millennials who are engaged in politics are uh, are are not drawn to the president the same in the same uh, at the the same capacity that their parents and grandparents may be. And uh, they're they're looking for something different manifestation of their faith. They're not as focused singularly on on abortion. They see, for instance, providing water to people as a human rights issue that we should be primarily focused on and can do a lot about. Um, as an example, mm-hmm. um, they're much much more focused on on their faith being active in um, in 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 that type of missional. Uh, work, if you will, instead of activist uh, manifestations, I guess is the way to put it. Um, so, I, you know, I, I think they find uh, they find some of uh, the, some of this, oh, the 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 the, the Graham and Falwell um, cloaking of Trump uh, mm-hmm. with God. Um, they find I think that a bit mm-hmm. confusing, baffling, if not offensive, uh, by and large. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think there's yeah. opportunity for younger younger Christians here to drive a different type of, of focus that's much more uh, less focused on political solutions, more focused on on missional solutions, and probably more broadly focused on really truly um, meeting uh, the needs of humanity um, that are before us, instead of spending a lot mm-hmm. of time um, arguing and protesting about who Supreme Court justices are going to be. Yeah, yeah. So you see them more capable of maybe working together as as uh, Republicans and Democrats rather than than uh, you know, fighting each other. Uh, there's there. Uh, yeah, I think I think culturally they're more inclined to that. Yeah, you know, there's um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think there's challenges for Christians in certain young of that age in certain cultures. Uh, you know, places like the Silicon Valley are extremely secular and may discriminate against Christians. That's I think that's pretty well documented. But uh, again, I go back to, well, we're, we're, we're told that'll be the case. Um, so I still think mm-hmm. there's, you know, tremendous opportunities to be people of, of faith, even in, in difficult situations like that. But in, in politics, that there's almost a hunger for um, the optimism, the compassion, um, the positivity that uh, I think we, we see out of that generation. That's great. So, so then, uh, uh, there there is some hope, perhaps at least from from a generational standpoint. Point, maybe. I think there, I think there is. Yeah, I think there is. And I, you know, it, it, again, we if you, if you understand American politics and American history, we have been in dark places. I call this. A, I think it's a dark time. I, we've been in dark times like this before. A lot of it driven mm-hmm. also by immigration issues and race and religion. <clears throat> and bigotry, and we've you know we we we've survived it. We've moved through it to better times, and um, yeah, we are we're right to have hope that there there can be better right. better times, more unified, more enlightened, um, more Christ-centered times ahead of us. Fantastic, Rob. This is great. Thank you so much for coming on again, and uh, love love your thoughts and. Uh, I forgot to mention, um, I boy, right up front, I was going to mention that uh, you are one of our board members, and we're so uh, happy to have you um, 
providing that leadership for us. So thank you for that as well. And uh, uh, we'll have you back on sometime Sound. sometime in the future. Yeah. Sounds, sure. sounds good, John. So so grateful for uh, your, your ministry and with uh, Marty's ministry as well. And um, God, God bless you. Thank you for having me on. I always love our chats. Great. Thanks, Rob. Thank, take care. Take care. There you go, folks. There you go. That was great. That was uh, uh, a good look at um, uh, relook at uh, this midterm election. It was such a crazy time, but. And this whole thing of Christians and politics, I love some of those thoughts uh, that Rob gave us and one that stands out, something that we have uh, talked about a lot here, and that is Christians in the public square. And uh, I think uh, he mentioned Oz Guinness. Oz has provided us with some wonderful leadership in that area just by his his thinking, his uh, his book, um, uh uh, uh, what did he call that? <laughs> um, public something about uh, the public square, and um, which I didn't quite finish, but you'll you'll find it. Um, look at Oz Guinness, and but the main his 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 main point is that if we're going to be in the public as Christians, let's not get into the public square just to scream about ourselves and what we want. Uh, but this is a the, the the beauty of America is its free speech its its freedom everyone gets a chance and so what we should be supporting in the public square is the opportunity for everybody to speak and so that's important to us as Christians it's important to us to let to let everyone have their say and that means all religions that means all all types of people um, and uh, all all sides of politics that everybody has a say. If everybody has a say, then we have a say too. And by the way, the truth, I believe, has the greatest chance of standing forth and coming coming to the surface in a place where free ideas are expressed then the truth can stand and not just be something that we are blowing our horn louder than anybody else. That doesn't sound like the truth, and it doesn't sound like what Jesus did either. The truth comes on its own. It, it, it rises as the Spirit of God rises in, in, among people, and uh, that's really where it stands, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Let's remember that today as we finish uh, this discussion. This was great today. Thanks.